so I've always been ambitious, really hard worker, um, and someone who wants to, you know, continually learn and grow and, and develop in my career. But I really realized kind of back then that if I'm going to spend a huge chunk of my time at work, it has to be for something where I really feel like I'm making a difference and a positive contribution to the world. Welcome to another episode of Communicating Purpose. I'm John Higginson, and I believe that the best way to get a message across clearly is by talking about something you honestly and passionately believe in. By doing so, you bring people with you. Your passion becomes theirs, and I call this the power of purpose. Now, seven years ago, um, right when Higginson strategy was starting out, I was in Amsterdam working with the organic supermarket Ecoplaza on the world's first plastic-free aisle. The campaign was for non-profit organization of Plastic Planet, a client that we still work for today, seven years on. Now, um, on this trip, I wanted to pick out something for my children, as I often do going back. And a brightly colored chocolate bar caught my eye in this in this supermarket. It was Willy, on- Willy Wonkerish and playful, and I loved it. Now, I knew nothing about the brand at the time, but I bought it just on the back of that, just, just on seeing it at display level. Uh, and it wasn't in the UK at, at, at the time, but it was one of those brands that the more you learn about, the more you like, a bit like peeling back the layers of an onion. Now, that's why I'm very excited by my uh, guest today, uh, whose job it is to tell this company's story. So I won't go into too much detail on those uh, on, on that because I'll let her do it. But I can say that it does um, make me very excited to be joined by Nicola Matthews, UK and Ireland Head of Marketing at Cho- Tony's Chocker Lonely. Nicola, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Now tell us a bit about your own journey to where you got to today. Uh, my journey. So I um, started my career um, in commercial at Diageo. So at the the big, uh, one of the big corporate brands, and it was, you know, one of the best places to, to start your career. So I was in um, sales there for three years and then in innovation for uh, for two years um, and then moved to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So a tiny uh, bootstrap startup uh, called Cocoa Pro, which is a high protein coconut water, um, and then um, moved to Tony. So I've been there for five years now as head of marketing. Great. And just tell us a bit more about uh, Tony's then. So for those of you that maybe don't know uh, more about Tony's than us just being delicious chocolate brand, hopefully you at least know that. Um, We actually, it sounds a bit weird, but we're not actually a chocolate company. Um, We're not a chocolate company that makes impact. We are an impact company that makes chocolate. And that's quite a different um, way of thinking about uh, a food company, I think. Um, We only exist to achieve one clear mission, which is to end exploitation in cocoa. Now, that refers to a few things. So the 1.56 million children that are currently working illegally and the 30,000 victims of modern slavery that you have on cocoa farms in Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire 
um, and that's where 60% of the world's cocoa comes from. So all the big chocolate companies will source their cocoa from there. And it also refers, uh, exploitation also refers to the widespread deforestation that occurs in these cocoa growing communities. So it's kind of social exploitation of people and also um, of the planet as well. And the root cause of all of that is big chocolate companies not paying enough for their cocoa. Um, so they, you know, people have no choice but to resort to illegal labour and also to, to growing cocoa in protected land to make money for their families to survive. Um, and that is exactly what we at Tony's Chocolate Only exist to change. Um, we have developed a sourcing model that is now proven to completely, you know, dramatically reduce uh, child labour rates from 50% down to less than 5%. And we have um, our whole supply chain is, is 100% free of deforestation. So we're proving to the big chocolate companies that it can be done. Um, and now we are working every day to inspire all companies that buy West African cocoa to, to do it the way we do it and adopt our, our five sourcing principles. So that's uh, us in a nutshell, Cocoa Shell. <laughs> and just, just tell us about the name, because I know that a lot of people are confused about the name. I know you've had recently... Um some press coverage on the fact that lots of people think that you're called yeah chocoloni tony's Choc chocoloni and they just read that read that name wrong wrong it's not right it's chocolonely exactly uh where does that come from so yeah this has kind of been swelling on on social media and tiktok and and the press recently because people are genuinely shocked when they see that our name is tony's chocolonely um and that refers back to our origin story which is a team of journalists in, in the netherlands who were investigating this widespread child labor and bond slavery on cocoa farms and created um, a tv show out of it and and ultimately reached out to all the big chocolate companies to see if they could work together to, to try and solve the problem, but realized that actually they were all profit driven and, and weren't really that interested in, in changing their supply chain if it was going to make um, them less profit. So the journalists decided to create their own uh, chocolate bar and lead by example by proving that it was possible to have delicious chocolate that was a successful company and a great brand without exploiting those at the start of the supply chain and one of the the key journalists was called turn which is the dutch name for tony and, and they called it chocolonely because they really felt like it was their lonely fight against inequality in the chocolate industry and they were they were out there kind of as mavericks trying to change the industry by themselves so chocolonely rhymes nicely but chocolonely has a lot more meaning to it and um, and I see from your own LinkedIn, you're really, really passionate about the job that you do. Um, and I talk about communicating purpose, but I really believe you can't communicate purpose unless you've really got purpose at your core. You can't fake it. Uh, you can't greenwash wash purpose. And so I'm really interested to hear from communications professionals um, about whether they kind of have a moment in which they go, actually, I want to work on a purpose-led organization or if they start working for a purpose-led organization and then really get converted and it'd be good to hear if you've got any moment there. Yeah sure so, so I think purpose for me it's really become kind of conflated in the industry with sustainability or charity or, or worthiness uh, you know in part due to the big Unilever debate um, and it may be just that word purpose being being misused but it literally just is you know what do you exist to do and that doesn't have to be a worthy 
initiative. It can just be, you know, to fulfill a great need, to have a great product, to, you know, be the tastiest of something or the best performing of something else. It doesn't have to be a sustainable or a charitable kind of aspect. Um, you know, for lots of companies, it's just to be useful or delicious. Um, but going into uh, 2024, I do think that more companies will be trying to have more of a kind of sustainable purpose and trying to be minimizing their impact on the planet as a bare minimum and also looking after their their people. And for me, working for a purpose-led organization, kind of that decision really came from a big shift in my personal circumstances and, and my mindset. Um, so in December 2016, um, my dad was diagnosed with really aggressive throat cancer. And in March 2017, my mum had a tragic fall at home and, and passed away really suddenly. Uh, so those four months completely changed like my life, my family's life and you know those closest to us forever. Um, and when you go through something like that, that is so traumatic and life changing, like you really get a deep sense of how fragile life is. And it completely shifted my perspective, not even consciously. Um, forever on what is actually important and what's not. Um, so I've always been ambitious, really hard worker, um, and someone who wants to, you know, continually learn and grow and, and develop in my career. But I really realised kind of back then that if I'm going to spend a huge chunk of my time at work, it has to be for something where I really feel like I'm making a difference and a positive contribution to the world. So for me, I, I started looking at the charity sector, specifically children's charities, but actually the stars really aligned when the Tony's role came up because it meant I could take my FMCG kind of knowledge and, and innovation, passion and experience. Also my challenger brand, you know, bootstrap marketing uh, experience and channel them into building something from scratch that genuinely is having a positive difference in the world for, for thousands of, of cocoa farmers in West Africa. And it's it's no, no secret to anyone that knows me that I'm a complete sweet tooth, like chocoholic. I actually used to save up all my pocket money to buy those giant bags, uh, sorry, those giant bars of, of Cadbury and Galaxy when I was a kid. Um, and my first email address uh, for MSN Messenger was Nick Loves Chocolate at hotmail.com. So when this role came up to, you know, be part of the founding team that was going to bring this amazing brand to the UK and, and grow it from scratch, it kind of felt a bit like fate. Um, yeah, the, definitely the, the stars aligned for me. Sounds like, sounds like you got the golden ticket. Um, great. Are there any, <laughs> are there any um, real significant moments um, in your um, career that you felt have been a really good um, breakthrough or have been real successes for you in your communications career? Well, mine's a bit of a squiggly communications career, really, because like I said, I started off in in commercial and sales, and then went into to innovation. Um, and then it was kind of five years into working at Diage that I realized actually like marketing and brand is really where my passion is. So I, I knew then that that's where I wanted to develop my career, but I didn't have the experience to work on the incredible mega brands that Diageo have. Um, and I also at the same time was seeing, you know, my siblings working in startups and learning all this stuff from the ground up and having these really exciting experiences. So I kind of then knew, right, I want to do marketing and branding and I want to do it at a startup. So that was a big shift for me. So I actually ended up, 
um, you know, taking a big risk because I didn't have any experience on paper except for my degree. So I had to find, you know, a company that was willing to take a risk with me. And that's um, what the team at Coco Pro did. So I took a massive pay cut, left everything uh, I, I knew at Diageo and really kind of dove into that opportunity with, with both feet. Um, you know, I brought my FMCG commercial innovation experience to them and they gave me the freedom to, to learn marketing on the job. And there's no better way to learn the basics of marketing with no budget and just a product uh, to, to sell. Um, so I think I'm technically, you know, a self-taught marketer. So it's always been a challenge to figure things out by myself um, rather than having that classical kind of blue chip training. Um, but actually, I'm really proud of where that's got me. And my marketing education continues as Tony's Chocolate Only grows and we need to be more data and insights led to continue to scale. And I've learned that actually I've really got a really good, strong gut instinct when it comes to, to consumers and, and communications, um, which can't be taught even at the, the biggest blue chip. So, um, yeah, a bit more of a different way into a marketing career that maybe uh, some other people might not think it's for them if they haven't kind of started there. But I've absolutely kind of made it work for me. Great. Can I be cheeky and ask which of the brands at Diageo uh, you worked at? And, and, and I'm sure most, most listeners will know that Diageo owns Guinness and Johnny Walker and those big brands like Smirnoff and Tanqueray and Baileys. What were the ones that, um, or one that you were working on, if you can say? So I was in the Great Britain team. So when I was in sales, we were selling everything. Um, but my first year there on the graduate scheme was a big part of it was driving around in a giant silver Mazda 6 around dodgy North Liverpool pubs. No offense to anyone that lives in North Liverpool, um, but going at 9 a.m. to these really interesting establishments and testing their Guinness lines, checking their quality, um, that like being kind of quality engineers on the road as well as salespeople was a, a big part of it. So I actually can't really drink Guinness anymore because I've had so many terrible pints of people that never clean, clean their lines or, you know, hadn't got rid of the cleaning fluid or it was an old keg kind of ruined it for me. Um, but what an incredible brand to, to be part of. And then my two years in innovation were focused on really sexy gin in a tin cocktail pouches. I think I was one of the first people that uh, launched price mark packs on uh, gin and tin kind of gordon's tonic uh, so not the not the sexiest of kind of brands or product but actually was drove huge incremental value because we were really just tapping into a completely different occasion for spirits so that was a really exciting time to be there and you get given so much responsibility in those those junior roles i learned so much um and still uh yeah still go to pubs and look at the back bar and, and look at all the Diageo products and I'm pretty brand loyal to them after my experience there yeah you don't lose it do you and um and the uh, the 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 whole gin and tin thing that that just absolutely flew especially during uh, lockdown when everyone was only allowed to drink in parks parks weren't they it's just done phenomenally well and yeah and wine and other skews have have uh, moved into cans as well um are there any moments that you um, you think could have done better and you thought would go a different way and really didn't get off the get off the mark? You mean kind of at Tony's or, or my Any, anywhere my anywhere in your career where you've where you've thought you were going to really do well and it just really has not happened at all. You know what? I've been pretty lucky, but I also think you make your own luck. Um, once I stick put my mind to something I generally make it happen um and I think you know all of my big choices in my career have been 
deliberate and, and thought through and could have been perceived as a big risk but actually they've all got me to, to where I am now so when I first left university I didn't have enough experience to get on a graduate scheme so I just took the first internship I could get which happened to be in Germany working for a, a baby carrier company called Ergo Baby and that was really hard living out there not speaking the language in a tiny little town but got me enough experience to get on the Diageo grad scheme and then my time at Diageo was all incredible there were some really hard moments as well working with tricky customers I think it was a spa buyer made me cry for the first time when I uh, first kind of started working with them um, up north Um, and then you know the the big shift to go to a tiny little startup was scary too but ultimately again has got me to where I am now at Tony so I've always kind of in between roles been like try to really understand what is it that makes me happy and fulfilled at work and those things haven't really changed um, and I've been really careful to go for the right things at the right time um, based on that and you know if I wasn't happy anymore I'd change it Uh, so yeah nothing that's massively gone awry because I think it's all been pretty well thought out but maybe maybe it's coming but you learn from all these risks and failures and uncomfortable moments and ultimately I think it gets you all to where you're meant to be in the end. And what do you find is your biggest challenge in uh, delivering uh, your marketing message that you want to? At Tony's, our biggest challenge is that it's a really complicated message to get across. Um, it is not simple at all. And the best you know, communication messages are simple. Um, cocoa sourcing is incredibly complex. It's really hard to explain it to an everyday person who knows nothing about it. And we have to simplify it down so much for our packaging, for our social media, for our campaign headlines, which means stripping out a lot of that that detail and context sometimes. So that's an an ongoing challenge. I think it's actually one of our number one challenges. And that's where we have to be really um, strategic and careful about our communication mix and using each channel really effectively. Each, Each channel plays a completely different role in our comms strategy, as you would expect, and addresses different areas of the the funnel so we use our product as prime real estate which I think a lot of food brands in particular or, or any FMCG brand maybe forget to do sometimes um, our bar itself is that funny unequally divided shape which a lot of people find really annoying because they can't share it equally um, but it's deliberately unequally divided because the profits in the chocolate industry are unequally divided so it's a physical representation of the problems in the chocolate industry and then if you look at the wrapper on the inside you'll see more about our mission I did, I did not know that pardon you didn't know that I know it's one of those little aha moments that people love to share I didn't know that <laughs> yeah Exactly. And this is what I keep saying. There's, uh, I love brands where you get more and more bits of bits of info as you, as you learn more about them. It's really, yeah. really interesting. Well, that's it. Like the product will be the first touch point for a lot of people. They Like you did in Amsterdam, just pick it up because it was colorful and you, you open it and you're like, oh, this actually tastes great. And you might kind of then see something about us on social media or our website or an influencer on social media might post about it or you've you know, tuned into a, to a podcast to, to get that next layer of messaging. And we repeat the same messaging over and over again. So it might like land the first, second, third time, but maybe by the fourth time, someone's like, hey, have you heard about this like cool chocolate brand that tastes great, but it's also like, you know, doing some good in the world. You might then, you know, be, be funneled down to pick us up as, as well. And we invest a lot of time on longer form stuff like this, like podcasts, like Tony Talks, where we go and do presentations to people like press and interviews. That's really the only way we can get the depth of the message and understanding across to, to people. Um, so it might be kind of lower reach versus 
the time it, it takes and the time you invest, but actually the quality of the messaging and therefore the brand advocates that we're building to go and share more about us on our behalf um, makes that a really, yeah, really good use of our time. So, I mean, for me as a communications professional myself, I thought it was a fairly simple message in that it's essentially we don't use slave labor, we don't use child labor and other brands do. How's it much more complicated than that? What's the what's the extra complication in 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 your messaging? So the, that message itself is simple, but actually everything that's going on in the ground to address that problem is really complicated. Cocoa sourcing and supply chains are really, really complex. Um, and the key kind of thing that people maybe don't understand, and, and actually it's been the source of kind of some negative press about us because people are just looking for that next kind of clickbait headline, is that we still have child labor in our supply chain. And people expect us, because we're the ones shouting the loudest about it, to be perfect. But perfect in this kind of industry just does not exist. Um, it is such an endemic problem that it would be pretty much impossible to never have a case of child labor on a farm uh, in West Africa. But we are unlike some of the bigger chocolate companies who just say we prohibit it or we don't allow it, that kind of doesn't change anything. So we're actually on the ground working hand in hand with the cocoa farmer and cooperatives that we you know, have as equal business partners to really create systemic change. Um, so our, like I said, our child labor prevalence rate is is 4.5% versus the industry average, which is 50%. But when you're talking about one in two children, working illegally in cocoa growing communities um it's definitely not a, a simple thing to to fix so that can be one of the things that people say oh well you've still got child labor you know none of it is what you're doing is true or makes sense but that's where kind of the nuance and understanding the complexities of the supply chain really comes into it and you can only get that across to people in a, a longer form kind of comms opportunity and i think that's really what comes across to me in a purpose-led organization is the trust element and honesty because I doubt if a communications professional from Cadbury's or Toblerone or any of the, the other large uh, chocolate manufacturers would be able to come on here and say we have child labor within our chocolate you, they just wouldn't be able to have that message and you're and you're here and you've just said just that and you've obviously been trusted to be able to deliver a message um and and it's that honesty i think people would hear that and go you know what that's that that that's great to hear you're not saying you're you're not saying you're perfect you're not saying that's right you're saying you want to get rid of it um and i think that's so important for purpose led organizations to not seem like they're hypocrites because otherwise if you go out there saying we're great the rest aren't you come across as a hypocrite and you also you're almost also almost encouraging people to go and look for the holes whereas i think it's so important to come come out saying we're not perfect we're trying to get there so that's really uh really good and interesting to hear and i hope listeners um coming took to, to that message and actually how hard it no i was just gonna say it's one of my favorite things about working at tony's that we are and always will be completely transparent about everything the good the bad and the ugly um we don't claim to be perfect. We actually really welcome challenge and different perspectives from people in the industry and you know, marketing or when we get things wrong, we say it. Um, and it just gives you complete freedom uh, when you work for a, a company 
like that. I don't have to be, you know, PR media trained to come and have this this chat with you because I, I just know what we do inside out. Um, and yeah, I'm very happy to share the, the bad stuff as well as the good stuff and the stuff where we're still learning and growing as a, a scale up challenger brand who's trying to change a very, very complicated uh, industry. Um, where do you get your um, news from? What do you read, listen to, watch? My news. Uh, so I watch BBC News when I wake up in the morning and when I'm kind of getting ready about, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes just to get like the headlines. Um, but I actually kind of before Christmas, I turned off all news notifications. I used to get them from BBC, Guardian, Times, all of them on my phone because I just it was so intense and it was actually really affecting my mood, whether that's kind of bad to be putting my head in the sand it probably is but actually it's just something I've had to do to protect my my head um and then I don't really tend to delve too much more into the news but I do read uh the times app on my phone mostly for the magazine supplements at the weekend I love their longer reads and interviews and, and deep dives into different things and their just in general their ux on their app is much better than the other ones and that's the reason I've stuck with with them over the guardian or or other apps um, and then in general, I read books for um, pleasure. So that's really all, always fiction. And it's really a story that I can get immersed in and just completely you know, switch my brain off. Um, I'm terrible at business books. I've got probably about 30 and I just know I'm never going to read them. Um, I have to get that learning um, and work stimulus from shorter form like podcasts, um, webinars, you know, in-person learning. And I also heard that, um, I think it was Seth Godin said he does the same. So I was like, if I'm in good company if he admits that he can never get through a business book. Um, so yeah, things like Diary of CEO, Brand Go Heroes with Fiona Fitzpatrick. And then uh, if I need to kind of just completely switch off and laugh out loud, um, I love the podcast, My Therapist Ghosted Me with Vogue Williams and Joanne McNally, Irish, uh, Joanne McNally is an Irish comedian. Um, they have me, cackling on my commute regularly which is sometimes just what the doctor ordered great well I've, well I've heard of that one and I haven't listened to it so thank you for that recommendation I will have a listen it's quite female centric so I don't know if but you know give it a go by all means <laughs> I'm I'm in touch with my female side that's 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 all good <laughs> I'm not I'm not just going to listen to the man macho ones talking about how to beef up as a man and all those things um final <laughs> question um you've talked you've You've already mentioned that you think that FMCG brands um, don't use the packaging retail space nearly as much as they could do. But apart from that, in terms of kind of media, what have you found has been the best medium for you to kind of get your message out there? Um, I think it's it's kind of what I just I just mentioned. It, every, a different there's a different channel for every type of message that you're you're trying to get across and we really tailor it to the audience and the message we're trying to convey um so you know investing in this longer form communication uh and you know everyone at Tony's is trained up to do a Tony talk when they join so we can say yes to, to schools and universities and businesses that want to lunch and learn and, and it's really one of the main ways that we've built the word of mouth and the um, depth of understanding for for us in our um, you know since we've grown and I think maybe a lot of brands maybe wouldn't invest that much time in something like that um, definitely using all of our products to to communicate something whether it's as big as the unequally divided bar or our unequally divided advent calendar that caused quite the stir a few years ago when we had two chocolates in some windows and no chocolate in another that was uh, also a very 
interesting one uh, where lots of people got very upset and angry that there was a missing chocolate. But once we were able to explain it um, I, and why I, we'd done I it. I see my children getting very upset yeah. about that. <laughs> once we were able to explain it, you know, most people were like, oh, I get it. That makes so much sense. And, and they didn't just think it was a packaging area. So we we stuck with the message and we improved the execution kind of the next year and um, and got way less way less complaints. Um, and, you know, social media is just such a powerful tool for us now, lev- rather than just our own social, like leveraging our audience to share our, our message. And ultimately, my marketing team are doing everything they possibly can to drive word of mouth um, because we can only say so much. And, uh, you know, paid media can only say so much. But other people recommending our product to other people, telling them about the unequally divided bar, telling them that it's Tony's Chocolate Only versus Loney, you know, those little nuggets or gifting it to somebody using our creator or their own wrapper um, uh, technology that we've got on our website where you can literally upload a photo, a picture, um, you know, a beautiful creation from your creative team and create whatever you want and put your own wrapper on a bar of Tony's. Like all of these touch points drive word of mouth and, and brand awareness and trial for us. And they they all work together. It's actually impossible to pull out which one does the best job because they all work uh, together. And if I regularly, well, every, every person I meet, I ask them, you know, have you tried Tony's? Where did you try it first? Like, where did you hear about it? And I always get a different answer, which I think shows that all the touch points we're using are all working kind of, uh, yeah, in their own right, but all working together to, you know, drive our success. And we're now um, 1% of the total chocolate market in the UK, which is crazy because it's so massive. Um, and we're consistently the fastest growing chocolate brand. And we've just overtaken Green and Blacks, actually, in terms of market share in Waitrose. Um, so some some huge um, things we've achieved in the last five years. And all of that means that we're enabling thousands of cocoa farmers and their families to earn a living income and get out of poverty, which is why we all get out of bed in the morning. Well, Nicola Matthews, Head of Marketing UK and Ireland at Tony's Chocker Lonely. You, you're doing your job there very well. And thank you very much for joining me, John Higginson, on Communicating Purpose. If you would like to know more about how Higginson's strategy helps organisations with a purpose, please go to higginsonstrategy.com. <laughs>